0: This is inside purple and
1: gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's 9 a.m. on Tuesday. Short week for the Vikings. Same week for us, though. So we'll come <laughs> at you Tuesday, Thursday, and I guess after the game on Saturday. So it'll be a Saturday post game pod rather than a Sunday post game pod. Um, but the Vikings hosting the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday at U.S. Bank Stadium, looking to get back on track after a loss to the Lions. Tom, we talked a lot about it on Sunday after the game. Just the defense left a lot to be desired. Um, there were some questionable play calls, obviously, spliced in there. But when when you look at what the defense was, or I guess wasn't able to do uh, against the Detroit Lions, It makes sense that the rhetoric yesterday was, well, things have to change. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting listening to Kevin O'Connell yesterday. It wasn't the traditional coach speak of, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to figure this out together. It was, no, we need a change. He didn't go as far as saying Ed Donatel would be losing his play calling privileges, but it's clear. I think the defense is going to look different over the final month of the regular season.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think how this compares to like the Joe Barry situation in Green Bay because Green Bay went in the season saying the run is going to be the strength and the mm-hmm. defense is going to be the strength. And as we learned pretty quickly, I mean, I guess the Vikings didn't put up too many points on them, but they just didn't cover Jefferson, which seems like a flaw in the defensive philosophy. Um it, it, that was not a strength and there's a lot of criticism with joe barry and matt LaFleur stuck with him and i think some of that's loyalty to your guy that you hired i think some of it's just it's a dramatic change within the season right the the speaking on the Vikings specifically mm-hmm. they completely overhauled a defense that was at one time working really well obviously 2020 it didn't 2021 it wasn't that great but like um you know you think of the 17 defense and kind of zimmer at his best with his best players when they're healthy like that was an unstoppable force. It, it, you know what I mean? Like it, you had to count for it in every game. Um, I think the, what the Vikings have to avoid here, because because it cause right now everyone wants Donatel's head, right? It's it's get rid mm-hmm. of this guy. The graphic is seared into people's brains that it's five straight games with 400 yards. And that includes playing Mac Jones and Mike White. And you know what I mean? Um right. And so uh, a complete class against Dallas. Although I don't know if that's entirely the defense's fault, but like, you know, I think, you don't want the Zimmer effect where Zimmer had the defense on lockdown and couldn't figure out who his offensive coordinator was. Right. Um, and this was when we were sold on like North Turner's the, this ex coach who basically Zimmer was kind of seeding everything to him. And then he went to like Hugh Jackson of all place people, I think. Right. And was like, yeah, is, is this guy legit? <laughs> and you're like, why are you asking him that? <laughs> but but, but um, okay. you know, they just cycled through until you got into like Clint Koopy. Kubiak right so like I think this is an offseason problem that isn't going to be solved right now however they're going to have to find immediate fixes and I think <clears> it's <throat> interesting that they have within the season right it's like if you know you lose to Philadelphia and all of a sudden it seems like the season's spiraling and they got things on track to the extent I guess winning marginally for whatever six games <laughs> is on track um you know the uh um, Dallas takes away Jefferson yeah. kind of indirectly, I guess, by sacking cousins four days later, he goes off against Belichick. Right. I mean, like even looking at the two Detroit games, Detroit holds Jefferson to 14 yards and then he sets a franchise record in the second matchup. Mm-hmm. So offensively, they found the fixes. I think it's worth saying that two things are hurting down tell that he doesn't have a lot of control over injuries, right? Like Harrison Smith's on the sidelines in this game. They're going deep into the cornerback depth. Um, uh, And then the draft didn't help him. Right. It was supposed to like, you think booth was supposed to offer. So I don't, I don't think Chandon Sullivan was supposed to be the guy all season. I think he was like the veteran that kind of sets the floor and booth is supposed to leap over him. Um, And it's funny how there's so much criticism for scene. Like he literally suffered a sphere injury. Like, I I don't really know, you know what I mean? And was injured in camp. So, but you know, he's not getting help from the draft. He's, they're digging into depth and I just think Harrison Smith kind of held things together. I think we realized how important he was. Everyone knows he's good, but I think he was kind of linchpin in the defense. And so um, in my mind, I think the risk is if you kind of give up on Donatel now, what's to say, like, you don't just start cycling through defensive coordinators and you just have the opposite problem that Mike Zimmer did.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, And it's not as easy as being like, you know, in a, in a fan's brain, right? It's, the defense is the worst in the league as far as yardage goes, giving mm-hmm. up, I think, 403 yards per game. Um, it would be the worst in franchise history. But I think in a fan's brain, it's we're the 32nd ranked defense in the league as far as total yards go. If we fire Ed Donatel, it will get better. And that's just not a guarantee. Like, because mm-hmm. you're right, Tom, like the personnel dictates a lot of the things these guys do, um, you know you mentioned Andrew Booth's injury and how Chanin Sullivan's probably played a role that, that might be a little bit above him. You know, Duke Shelley was getting a lot of rotating snaps in, in, in the, in the past month because of injuries to both Cam Dantzler, Caleb Evans, Patrick Peterson's been good, but like, when you see Harrison Smith go down and Josh Metellus having to play above himself and, and and getting beat in those areas. So like there's things that you can look at with kind of a, you know, objective eye and say like, okay, it makes sense that they would struggle. They're they're without this guy or they're without that guy. or They're trying to replace this guy. But I think what frustrates people the most is that like, regardless of who's been in the lineup this year, they have hemorrhaged a lot of yards and it it has been a, you know, I I know Vic Pangio's scheme. I know it's, you know, let's make quarterbacks be patient. Let's keep everything underneath. Let's go high to low Mm -hmm. and, and make sure we don't get beat over the top. I don't know if the the personnel on the team dictates that successful style of defense. Um, And that's not a quick fix. That's not something you can, you can fix in a month. So I am curious. Like I I do believe they're going to make adjustments. I believe they're going to try and and, and do something different. They have to. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I also think if Indianapolis comes out Saturday and gashes the Vikings and the Vikings somehow lose to the Colts and Jeff Saturday's team, I think you might see a change at defensive coordinator because I think at some point you just have to say like 10 and pat three pat seasons. Nine. Yeah. 10 and three seasons, 10 and four seasons don't come around very often. We can't just keep with the status quo. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, and then I called that Donatello out in in my column this week in the pioneer press. But I, in that same breath, will say like, he's kind of playing with his hands tied with, with the, with the personnel around him to a degree.
0: So some of this is inevitable, right? They made the change and they must have been confident enough that you take Anthony Barr away. Like Daniil Hunter will be productive in this, you know, you know, some of these holdovers or whatever, Um, Patrick Peterson, but like inevitably This is the weird thing about having success early is that, like, again, we wouldn't even be talking about this if they weren't that good. Like, you'd be like, yeah, they have to just go draft a whole bunch of guys and and bring some people in and whatever. And now, I mean, that's accelerated. I'm very much of the mindset that you got to be really careful tanking, especially in the NFL. You know, if you tank in basketball, no one shows up, you know, those Sixers games or whatever. No one, football, they show up and they're like hard on the players because those tickets cost a lot of money and like also for a player that sucks like you have a short career why would you want to get beat up in a season where the team's intentionally trying to lose right um and we just know it doesn't work super well right you look at like carolina had two top quarterbacks on the roster and they can't figure out which one's any good team building Um, is just different yeah 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 so you know i i think um, I think they were right, obviously, to go for it here. I think it's an ambitious change, what they're doing. The other thing we have to consider here is like, and this is reading the tea leaves and just kind of parsing through kind of what both O'Connell and Donatov said. But O'Connell, actually from almost like the jump, like his press conference stuff, seemed to emphasize that he liked having kind of a veteran coordinator mm-hmm. on the staff. You know, you, you look at like, we talked about, Matt Daniels is 33. Like Matt Daniels looked like he could still play, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like part of me goes I think he wants to go hit someone sometimes. He has kind of the energy. But like, you know, he's 33, um which would be the tail end of, you know, some players careers. You mm-hmm. have Wes Phillips, I think is 43. You know, he's not that much older than um I know like he seems older because like his dad and his grandpa were in the league and stuff, like coaches in the league, but mm-hmm. um he's not that much older and like He seemed to like having this presence of a guy who's around Zimmer's age running a defense. And Donatel seemed like from a personality standpoint, kind of a mix between Zimmer and then like the personality of this new staff, right? He's really upbeat and and praises the players and likes coaching young guys. Although he has admitted he really likes veteran players, just like Zimmer did. But, um, but, you know, like he's always kind of different demeanor, obviously, than Zimmer, but similar in the sense that they kind of were at the same stage of their career. If you kind of track them, right, like what position they had, you know, what team he's on his third day now or whatever. Um, And. I don't think it's probably in O'Connell's best interest that in his first year to kind of like hang a guy out to dry unless he thinks there's like a consensus around the league that like anyone would have done this, right? right. Because he has to go hire someone else for his staff down mm-hmm. the road and he may want someone like that. I also thought when when looking at the hire, I understood like Donatel was known, I think, for giving up like a, a fourth and 26 or I can't remember the exact sequence, but like there was a play that like any defense should stop and they It didn't. was, the, it was freddie mitchell and the eagles back in like yes the early 2000s um yeah fourth and
1: 26 and freddie mitchell over the middle
0: um, yeah 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 I'm glad they played in the sticks
1: that. basically it was like what we saw in detroit all sunday it was like yeah detroit needs eight yards the vikings are dropping into coverage at 11 so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. letting keeping things in front of you but not doing it to, to, to the right degree
0: but i think you know and here's the other thing: is some people execute their own scheme really well, and no one else can kind of figure out. That's like Belichick and his whole coaching tree, right? Right? right. So I, you know, it may be that like the Fangio thing is the right thing to install, and Donatello's not. But regardless, like they do have to clamp down. You, it's it's going to be miserable if like just for everyone involved. If Matt Ryan, who who looks like he's kind of on his last legs, starts tearing this team apart. But again, it goes back to like I guess Josh Metellus like just looked like a guy who who was thrown into action and i think you can cover and and donatel's basically said this you can cover for the corners the depth corners or a young corner with the safeties i don't know how you cover for a safety you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. uh, or you know who's doing it is like cam bynum right who's who's this convert converted corner who's still kind of learning the position so um i'm not trying to overly excuse it and until this streak of 400-yard games started happening, I was like, I actually think it's fine for the Vikings to have a bend-don't-break defense because the offense is supposed to win you games, right? It's supposed to be more explosive. It's supposed to score 30 points a game. Yeah. Yep. Now it's getting to the point where, like, it wasn't – I think it's worth saying, like, they only scored 23 points, right? And there's some – I you know, I think some people focused on the defense on that game. I actually focused on O'Connell's play calling when I wrote on the on the game. But mm-hmm. regardless, like, you could tell that's a game that, like, they couldn't win in a shootout. You know what I mean? Like that, that offense is explosive. It's in their place. I mean, at least it's pretty risky to go about that. So I'm not saying that there isn't something needs to be done, but the, the issue is like, I think this is more a big philosophical thing at the end of the season of, do we keep down tell and assume that when he has better players, it'll be better. Do we, you know, bring someone else in who runs the same thing or do we overhaul it again, which is then another overhaul in three years.
1: Yeah, and, and you're right in the in the sense that it is a it's a much bigger picture problem than people want to, you know, like the instant gratification of fixing problems. Yeah. Like this is not going to get fixed in the next month. And and Kevin mm-hmm. O'Connell did say that too. He said at some point, you know, we have to look ourselves in the mirror, but we also realize it, you can't completely overhaul the defense with the month to play. It, you can't just after teaching these guys the three four for the last year. Be like, all right, we're doing something different. You can't, yeah. after yeah. teaching these principles for the last six, you know, six months, be like, all right, you know, we're not going to play high to low anymore. We're just blitzing. And I think yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's the easy, you know, the layman term fix of of how do you how, how does this defense get better is like just just blitz more. Like, I, and and I get it, they need to send more pressure, um, but I don't think it's as easy as being like, let's just blitz everyone. Um, because then your guys have to cover on the outside as well
0: worth pointing out like even zimmer at his best with his best players created pressure with four guys and confusion right and like this was always going to be a a learning curve or like kind of a difficult jump going from zimmer who's who's like for all his faults was a defensive genius right like 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 ran i think kind of creative created defensive blitzes right Mm -hmm. and you're going to someone else who just like inevitably almost anyone's gonna be a step down um from that I think it's more frustrating against Jared Goff now I know Jared Goff said he was playing his best football he does look different I'm still convinced like he's a guy who like needs to be carried by the players around him rather than like yes we know like look at Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow's weapons but like I think he's kind of driving winning for the Bengals and I think Having said that, like the, the word on Goff was always, what's the hell out of him? He just gets confused, you know? And I think that's where it becomes more frustrating is that like some of these long developing plays where Metellus gets burned, like you can mitigate some of that, not all of it, but some of it by just getting to the quarterback and not letting him throw that deep. So um, I understand the frustration with that. I also just don't understand with, given like you have Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter, like you have guys who should be able to create pressure. Yeah. Why not occasionally supplement them? by taking someone, you know, obviously someone out of the backfield and, and sending them into um, on a blitz, right? But, like, again, I don't know enough about it to find an exact solution. I know it's messed up, and I think they're going to kind of bandage it for now and overhaul it in some capacity um, in the offseason.
1: Yeah, and th- that's why the, the next month will be interesting because it is going to be quick fix, put a Band-Aid on this thing, try and stop the leak as, as best we can so, you know, the, boat, the ship doesn't sink come playoff time but it is going to be much of the same Um, I think that's something that fans have to get through their head is like this defense is going to look the same the rest of the regular season the rest of the playoffs Mm -hmm. it's too late to fix everything it's too late to change everything so while I think you might be right Tom I think maybe we will see a little pressure a little more creativity whether it's sending Eric Hendricks on a delayed blitz or sending one of the corners off off the edge uh, this isn't just going to turn into a a blitz happy defense. Um, this the defense is what it is, and and it's going to be that way, you know, until like you said, it's like a come to Jesus in the off season. Do we want to be a three four defense, and do we want and Donatel to lead it, and do we want to just put better players around him, or do we want to change the game up again, um, kind of go back to what has worked in the past? Um, all of that those questions will be answered uh, more in the off season than right now.
0: I think it's worth pointing out here because we're talking about the Colts coming up and I'm, I'm trying to pull up their schedule. But like the Colts are a weird team. I mean, it's very weird that like Jim Irsay was just like, hey, this guy on TV who I've had a couple of beers with, let's, let's have him coach because he was a good player for us. But he, I'm trying to think, like if you actually watch that Cowboys game, they hung mm-hmm. with them for a while. Yeah. And, then the, and then like the Cowboys just blew their doors off. The Eagles 17-16, I remember watching that in the press box and being like, Hmm. that doesn't seem good for the eagles right and like it seemed like the colts kind of try to use the commander's formula right C- contain the d er, you know contain their offense and and sneak away with a win and i and i don't know what to make of the Steelers game but like i i think the issue here is that if they play down to the colts this is such a risky game i mean especially because yeah. you know but it really like in the short short term this is thinking really really small like you know kind of like the players think right we're on to the next game i don't it's a vacuum you're zero zero and zero every week or whatever but like the colts should not tear them apart i think this cold strategy is like hey let's try to keep this team under 20 and sneak out of here with a win Mm -hmm. and i think the onus is going to be more on the offense which is a good sign for the Vikings coming off the performance jefferson had um and kind of things we've seen aside from the drop from hawkinson and, and and thielen and stuff so like um in in like a micro sense this should not affect them too much on Saturday. Having yeah. said that, like the only thing that can go wrong, but it can go wrong is that you go into the playoffs limping in. Right. And like, mm-hmm. it's not going to feel good if the defense keeps getting gashed and you're like, Oh, okay. So like the, the Cowboys or the Eagles or any of the, you know, the Niners, any of the best right. teams, they're just going to blow your doors off. So, you know, I, you know, it's a it's something you got to solve, but looking at Saturday specifically, I think it's on the offense if they lose that game, given how kind of the, the Colts have made things interesting here under Jeff Saturday. For sure.
1: Yeah. And that's a good segue. When we come back, we'll talk more about the offense, things that concern us. We, You know, we've piled on the defense, um, but the offense isn't without blame for, for the loss on Sunday, um, both play calling and execution um, left a little bit to be desired. Um, so more than more on that when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow Inside Purple and Gold We're anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, if you're following us, you will not have to go search. Anytime we drop an episode, it'll just end up on your phone or whatever listening device you use. Tom, we piled on the defense in segment one, um, but at the end of it, you, you made a good point. Like, the onus is going to be on the offense this weekend, we think. You know, mm-hmm. like this is a yes. team, you know, I, I guess there's a world in which Matt Ryan dials, turns the clock back and, and lights this team up, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt the Jeff Saturday new, newly in charge is going to just kind of turn this thing into a shootout. I think, like you said, they're going to just try and keep it close, escape with the win. So it'll be on the offense, uh, which leads me to, to my next question. Like, should we be concerned about the running game? Because the, the, the Vikings came out, Against Detroit, and, and I get it. Dalvin Cook had 96 yards in week three in the opening matchup. Justin Jefferson got taken away. I think some of the game plan heading into last week was like, let's establish the run so we can maybe get a couple guys more in the box and, and, and maybe free up Justin Jefferson on the outside. They tried to commit to the run. They really did, and, and there were just constant negative plays. Obviously, they abandoned the run in the second half. When they're down by two touchdowns, um, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson has the best game of his career, at least yardage wise. But the the running game still the the whole day um, just lacking. Um, th- does that something that concerns you moving forward? Is that just a one off? You know, like this is what you know what happens sometimes in the NFL, or is this is this a sign of a bigger problem for, for the Vikings?
0: Yeah, so I was looking since the bye week. So this is starting in the Arizona game. Cook had 111 yards against Arizona. 47 against washington which that game was just ugly in general uh 119 against buffalo though that was 181 yard run right that kind of skews the stats uh 72 against dallas which is more than i thought given i was like you know cousins at 105 yards passing the whole thing was dysfunctional 42 against new england which new england was concerned in taking him out i guess maybe once they figured out they couldn't take out jefferson 86 against the, the jets and 23 against detroit i think it was interesting that Cook actually was good against Detroit in the first game in week three 96 yards rushing. Um, that was the game. Of course, they they held Jefferson to 14 um, Hawkinson was on Detroit at that time. So you know, like it was really the the running game that kind of salvaged that to the extent like mm-hmm. we can say something positive about that game, but um, I. It's concerning in the sense that a lot comes off the the running game. So it's not just simply running the ball, controlling the clock. Um, the fact that running is typically less risky, um, but it's like play action is setting up their explosive plays. And I think there are some stats to say like play action itself actually just kind of like creates explosive plays as in like think of like Metellus biting or whatever. Yeah, like right. But it feels less likely that that will happen if you literally just run play action, but pass off it every time and there's no rushing him. Um, I think it's concerning. I think it's worth noting they were on their backup center and the um, Darasaw was off out again. Yes, Um, Yes. I don't. The, the M.O. on the Lions was explosive offense and, and not great defense, which is very funny considering, like, what you'd think of a Dan Campbell team, right? If you look at this guy who, like, works out as much as his players and Bite drinks angles. a ton of co- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, he's an insane human man. Like, you know, you think – I think of, like, Detroit Dan Campbell intensity defense, right? And, like, it really is actually, like – Jamison Williams is going to burn you here. You know, St. Brown's going to burn you here and whatever. Like even that Reynolds guy looked really good and he's further down on the depth chart. So, you know, I think they, uh, they look like they clamped down on the run defense. Right. And like, and like made a concerted effort and did a good job with it. Having said that, like, it's a concern if this trend continues. I'm just not convinced it will. Like if you go back to the bye week I mean, it's been, trying to see here that you know like we we have a large sample size it was week seven was their bye week so like cook has done fine in a lot of these and the other thing is it just feels like at some point o'connell's going to transition off it right like i don't think quasi would have given cook that contract you know what i'm saying and like if you had madison and like kenny or something, i'm trying to think who would the other running back would be um it would be it'd be less prioritized and it'd be used almost exclusively to set up explosive plays having said that we know like on the scale of like Jared Goff how how McVay treated Goff and Matt Stafford Kirk Cousins who's been compared uh, kind of to both quarterbacks but to Stafford a lot actually the offense operates more like the Goff offense right mm-hmm. so like it's concerning in the sense that like Cousins is the quarterback for now um it's concerning how the offense is used however i was like at some point it almost seems like this is actually going to be the trend that it's not you're not going to have a lot of games where like the running game drives the winning for you um so yes it's a concern i just it's it's so different than the defense it's not like a long-term concern to me and it's also not even really a short-term concern because i think cook's still going to have a hundred yard game at some point before the regular season ends
1: yeah i think it's it's easy to get caught up in kind of the moment with, with these things, um, especially when two things go poorly in one game, right? The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed on Sunday, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, that's been a huge issue, which it has. Dalvin Cook, I think, ran for like 26 yards. I think he had like six yards rushing in the first half in like 12 carries. And people take that and they're like, well, Dalvin Cook stinks. He hasn't been good all year because of that one game where he looks ineffective he's the sixth leading rusher in the NFL this year is mm-hmm. 950 yards rushing so you're right Tom like this is a thing that I think they're going to continue to commit to and I think it's going to work for them fine but at some point I think in the playoffs you open it up a little bit more um y- you still have to have a commitment to the run because as as you were kind of alluding to like that does set up the big plays they, the Vikings don't have a lot of them this year but when they do, a lot of it comes out of play action. You know, a lot of it comes out of at least keeping the defense honest in the secondary. Um, Maybe freeing up Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen one on one on the outside. That's hard to do if 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 Dalvin Cook isn't running the ball with consistency with regularity. Um, if you lose him for a game and he has six seven carries, um, why would they? Why would you respect the run at all? So, I I think that concern is something that over the final month of the regular season, we'll see kind of be quelled. Um, I think they're going to stick with Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook's been good this year. I, I do think he's lacked a little bit of burst at times. I don't mm-hmm. think he looks like the same explosive runner that he did coming out of Florida State as a rookie. I think that's fine. I, I think he's still a, a very, very good running back in the league. Um, I think he's a weapon that Kevin O'Connell can use. Um, So I'm, I'm not super concerned with that when we were talking before the show, you made a good point though. Like the running game, a concern, maybe, maybe not. Like what about the receiving core and Adam Thielen had a really Mm -hmm. good game and KJ Osborne actually had a pretty good game the other day, TJ Hawkinson. I think we both can agree. It is probably the number two pass catcher on this team outside of Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson. Does the consistency or anything around Justin Jefferson, Like, how does, how does that stack up to you? Uh, You know, because Justin Jefferson's going to get his week in week out. If there's a time where, where a team's able to take him away or, or stymie him a little, regardless of what we saw last week against the lions, because they are the 31st worst defense in the league. (laughs) Like do pass catchers outside of Jefferson concern you moving forward when the Vikings are going to play top tier defenses in the playoffs
0: yeah I mean obviously I think they would have been in trouble if they had given into Belichick and been like take Jefferson away We'll we'll win with the other guys. there's a reason why they schemed him open. They seem to be doing enough at the very least to get Justin Jefferson open. It doesn't seem like in the games where he's been slow it's been like because of scheme or because you know what I mean like like the mm-hmm. the Detroit game it was week three Cousins just wasn't throwing into tight windows. And right. and that's not exclusively why Justin Jefferson had 14 yards, but like there's certainly a trust that's been built up over the course of the season. And that's the thing that's changed most with Kirk. It's not Justin Jefferson's fault that like he had a slow game against Dallas, Dallas just mauled cousins. And I think he actually had, so he had a, the least amount of separation, I think against Buffalo, he had the most against Dallas. It's just like, they couldn't get him the ball because um, cousins was on the, on the ground. Um, KJ Osborne, who I think there's been like too much focus on, he took a monumental leap right last year. I think it was unrealistic to think he'd do the same thing this year. Um, He's talked about how he's doing things to open up Justin Jefferson. Like conceptually, I think everyone can understand it's much smarter to use. Osborne to clear defenders away from Justin Jefferson, then to try to like force him the ball. Mm-hmm. But even looking at like the target distribution again, that the Lions' defense not very good, and the Vikings had to rely on the run. But Justin Jeff- Jefferson at fifteen, Hawkinson eight, Thielen eight, Osborne five. And so this isn't three deep. This isn't you know you when you looked at like that was such a unique situation where like Randy Moss was stupid good carter established you know what i mean and uh jake reed had been there forever so like he, he if anything like kind of knew the vikings offense as well or better than those other guys so like um this would have been different right you'd have the veteran feeling but i think feeling i think there's a question of hey i think he's hurt like every time i've said this before on the show but every time he gets hit like really badly he like looks more injured than he should be and oh. I'm like maybe, yeah O'Connell even said that yesterday he said there's the bruising in the knee that just has
1: become an issue for 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 Thielen so yeah you're you're right you've been saying it all for for months now
0: yeah and I think I think that's a good example of in football and I think in sports in general we talk about injured and hurt I mean it's functionally the same thing like if you're just a human you're like yeah you're injured and hurt that's this you're you're not feeling well right but (laughs) but like in football it's can you play with this or can you play through it and I think bruising and and what Thielen has here is he can play through it. And if you look at him in the locker room, he's not like limping around, right? I mean, he's certainly like when on the quote unquote healthy plays, he's running precise routes or whatever. But again, looking forward a little bit, like Mm -hmm. I think Thielen is who he is this year. And I think he, to me, reads as receiver three, who's dependable on third down, dependable in the red zone. I think he's a good influence on Justin Jefferson. I know people don't like the off field stuff, but He's said multiple times, he's like, Yeah, we watched the film, and I think he's shown him why like cousins can't get the ball to him on certain plays. And I think that's really instructive for a young receiver. Um, mm-hmm. especially because it's not like Thielen never had issues with cousins. We remember on the sideline, him, you know, <laughs> we're like cousins, <laughs> why you're telling the all-pro receiver how to run her out. But like, you know, they <laughs> like I think it, he's he's done kind of if that's what he ages into and he's like the third option and a good influence and it's not just on Jefferson, but like Osborne or the receiver, they draft next year. If they do Um, that's a reasonable expectation given Thielen's age undrafted player, all this stuff we know. Right. Right. Um, If Osborne is effective in any capacity, it works as long as he's the fourth guy. Right. I just don't think he's going to leap to number two. Um, So if, if he, he stole the ball from a player uh, um, against new England, Right. cousins trust him going on third down um he it seems like you know he looks like he belongs i guess on the field right and then i think the uh i think the bigger question is just like ken hawkinson the special tight end but not a receiver be your number two um and this is just i think in the short term it will not matter in the regular season in my mind it will matter in the playoffs if they play better competition because someone's going to figure out how to limit jefferson to some extent in the playoffs. Um, it will matter going forward because Jefferson can't do it on his own. I know he's pushing the limits on what that is, but like we can't expect this from him every week. And, and uh, and it's just addressing them. The number two is going to be really interesting, especially when people go Jamison Williams looks good and the Vikings could have drafted him. Christian Watson looks really good and they could have drafted him. It's going to be pressure on the next draft. Can you yeah. find a player of equal caliber a year from now?
1: Yeah. For sure. Tommy, you're teeing up the segways perfectly today. It's like we're, we're, we're gaining chemistry by the yes. episode. Yes. You mentioned playoffs. This is not going to matter in the regular season. Um, I think that's a good point. The teams, the Vikings play from here on out, not that good. Um, I, you know, the Colts, not that good. The giants, I think we're kind of starting to see not that mm-hmm. good. I think Dable's a good coach that there's just not enough t- players on that team, not enough weapons on that team. Packers, not that good. Bears, not that good. Um, But the playoffs, the the teams itself are better, and and the defenses will be better. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about the playoffs, though, because the Vikings are 10-3 and now. They're the number two seed. They they have no hope, no prayer at at the one seed anymore. That kind of went out the window last week, and and Philly looks like a wagon. Uh, when When we come back, we'll talk about playoff seeding. Can the Vikings bank on this two seed? I know I just said that they're, ba- they're playing basically not good teams for the rest of the way. Um, but the 49ers, they, I don't think there's someone to scoff at. More on that when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Muzitani alongside Tom Schreier. Breaking down kind of what this Vikings lost to the Lions and the implications of that. Um, we've talked about the defense. we talked about the offense. Um, we've talked about Ed Donatel. talked about pass catchers, the running game. Um, all of that in the first half hour of the show. Now kind of what it means. The Vikings, Tom, are 10-3. They're the number two seed in the NFC. I thought heading into last week, there was no way they could lose the two seed. Because while well, at that point, the, the Niners were a game, two games behind them, they had just lost Jimmy Garoppolo. They're starting Brock Purdy, literally the last pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. I get that he looked good against Miami 2 weeks ago. I did not think he was going to look good against Tampa last over the weekend. He did. Mm-hmm. They dominated 35 to 7, made Brady throw the the tablet a couple times on the sideline frustrated him there. Brock Purdy who we have to note, the teammates are calling Big Cock Brock. Uh, you know, that, that we, we do have they, to discuss that. There's just not a better nickname in sports right now. <laughs> um Big Cock Brock has the Niners at 9 and 4. Nipping at the heels of the Vikings. Can the Vikings miss out on the two seed, Tom? Is, is that something that we should consider? Because the Niners, the rest of the way, they play the Seahawks, who just lost to the Panthers. They play the yep. Commanders. That'll be a tough game. Then they close with the Raiders and then they and the Cardinals. Cardinals who might be without Kyler Murray the rest of the year. That knee injury yesterday did not look
0: good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is it possible that they slip up? And they they drop to
0: three. So I, I always look at it like how would how would the other team beat the Vikings right? And it's actually pretty simple. I'm not saying this is like a surefire formula, but Indianapolis keep it close. Like at some point, yeah. the, the Vikings are tempting fate, and Indianapolis kind of does that. Um, New York would be out coach them. So like so like Dayball figures out how to take away Jefferson for a game, um, and we know that like someone like you know, Tanny Dimes can can be effective against this defense so um so you know that's that's an out coaching game uh green bay is a bit of like i'm starting to see, I, I know vikings fans will hate this i'm starting to see how they could be good next year like rogers is still rogers watson looks good he's gonna have chemistry with these young receivers um and then you assume with the new defensive coordinator that defense could be better i don't know how much that affects this game other than that like weird things happen in sports you're going into lambo and that they're gonna make that their super bowl right this is kind of what dan campbell did with the lions he's like beating the 10-win vikings we can beat anyone. This is you know, whatever. And I think, you know, the Packers are gonna try to stick it to the Vikings, and that's kind of dangerous for a team that again operates on the margin. And then Chicago is just like Chicago's always just a mess of a game. Like even the game the Vikings won on Monday night football last year, like literally it was like harmful to the football (laughs) brand to like play a game like that. Like 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 it just it's it's it like if someone watched that as their first game, they're like, I'm never watching this sport again. And those are games that again, like they're gonna kind of use the Indianapolis formula, like keep it close, whatever. Um so again, I'm not I actually I mean, again, I think they'll go 3-1 and or 4-0 and given who the competition is. But there is a blueprint for all these teams to beat the Vikings. And given that, I mean, I think, A, there's this risk that you give up the home field, and you're going to want that as long as you can have it, right? I mean, it's going to be – imagine the storylines of the Vikings get to the NFC Championship, and you go, oh, they're going into uh, Philadelphia, (laughs) and they have an unexpectedly good record. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, all this stuff, it's not quite the same as the Keenum deal, but, like – it's certainly there's going to be talk about it, especially because no the Vikings doubt. probably will need a miracle in the game before in order to get in. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I they do need to maintain the, the two seed. They do, do need home field advantage. Also, I just think for the narrative of the season and just to feel good about kind of the beginning of the kind era, he's done a lot. He, the, the Vikings have been unexpectedly good. But they've benefited from an easier schedule. Um, They've benefited from a a weak NFC. And I think they need to win their first playoff game. And so make that first playoff game as easy as possible. And then obviously the team won't see it this way. But I think anything else is kind of gravy from there. Like we just know how good dallas is how good philadelphia is go to back to brock purdy like i've I have some friends who are niners fans one of them who's diehard, hard big time football guy i texted him when baker mayfield came back right and it somehow one of came game with the rams who had played for, for like two days mm-hmm. but i was like oh you want mayfield now right saying you know you could have claimed off waivers and he goes ah i don't want any part of that guy i believe in brock purdy and it's like within the Niners system brock purdy works Also, Brock Purdy, if Mac Jones and Mike White can move on this defense, Brock Purdy can. And finally, like, although there's a blueprint that Philadelphia and Dallas created, even like an underdog team like Washington kind of created against Minnesota this year, like Kyle Shannon, Shanahan knows how to beat the Vikings. It will be keep the ball out of their hands so Justin Jefferson can't beat you, run the hell out of it, right, against this defense um, and, and, and kind of the smash-mouth football that we've seen affect the Vikings because Washington did it and Dallas did it and, you know, every other team that can execute it will. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous path, I guess, to um, the playoffs, so make it as easy as possible. These games still matter even though they're all games really the Vikings should win.
1: Yeah, and if they, if they flip-flop and if, if if San Francisco drops to two or jumps to two and the Vikings drop to three, uh, I don't know how much it really impacts your first week of the, of the playoffs matchup. You should win that game regardless of who it is, whether it be Washington, New York, Seattle, maybe even Detroit. Like, if you're the Vikings and you want to be taken seriously, you should win that game. But that's assuming also that the Niners are going to win that game, and then would you rather play the Niners – at U.S. Bank Stadium, or would you rather play them at Levi Stadium, where you got yeah. smashed two years ago? So the seating's is important. Home home field advantage, like obviously, um, it's not a very profound statement. Like home field advantage is important. Everyone would agree with that. Um, so yeah, I think they need to lock it down in, in the final month of the regular season. Figure it out. I, I do think, like to, to counterpoint about the Niners, because um, I think the Vikings probably go three and one over the, over the final month, of the regular season, I think there might be a slip up there, whether it be any of the, you know, the scenarios that you say playing out. Um, I think one of those might um, three and one, four and oh, maybe also could take into account like Brock Purdy works in that system. And I think that defense is so, so good um, that they could probably just roll the rest of the way, but is Brock Purdy impervious to like a stinker as like, the literal last pick in the draft. Like, I think that's something that could be on the table too. Like Washington, super good front seven as the Vikings found out. Yeah. There's a chance they could just wreck that game for Brock. Mm -hmm. Purdy. Like Brock Purdy. it's. I I talk about this with, with one of my friends who, who loves Tom Brady thinks he's Mm -hmm. the goat. Obviously he is, but Tom Brady has created this like weird, like culture of, well, this quarterback went down and this quarterback's a late round pick. So yeah. this quarterback's gonna be good because like the late round pick, you know, there's one Tom Brady ever. There will only be one Tom Brady ever. That yeah. story is so improbable. I, I think every time a late round pick takes over mid season, people say, Oh, this could be the next Brady. Brock Purdy might be very good, but I, I think there's a chance he struggles at some point over the final month of the regular season. And essentially, for for the Niners to jump the, the Vikings, they'd have to win out. Um, yeah, I think if they don't, they they, they can't really catch them. So okay. I, I'm banking on the fact that at some point, Brock Purdy's going to look like the literal last pick in the draft that he was.
0: Yeah, I remember I just saw this because I, for some reason, watched a Raiders game uh, and like i saw jared stidham who's their backup and i texted a friend of mine who's a huge Patriots fan and he goes he like believed in Siddham like he, he was like he's the next Brady, he's been in the Bellatrix system or whatever and I was like it just doesn't work that way you could have the yeah. most brilliant coach in the world like at some point Tom Brady just was in a weird situation where he was splitting time in Michigan and and there's all these factors that you would think like probably in the modern era would kind of get sussed out I just think people have gotten smarter it's not perfect but I've gotten smarter about um, drafting players but it's the same it'd be like saying well because Dealing and Diggs were like late picks like you don't need to draft a high receiver and now that they need a receiver they're probably gonna use a lot of draft cap on one yeah. right um so i think i just i think it's more yeah what we've been saying like it's a good situation for brock Purdy and he's just good enough to operate that um the niners are just a weird team they're kind of a throwback right it's it, i think they get injured a lot because they play the smash mouth football but it kind of works for their defense and it's a weird running back system it's modern but it's it kind of just reminds me of like old school football teams that stop the run um run the ball effectively so you know, I don't know. It's more like he just is in the right situation rather than like Brock Purdy. He's probably going to be like Mike White, right? He'll look yeah. good at certain games, kind of get beaten other ones. And that's the nature of a, a player like Mike White, like Brock Purdy. For sure.
1: But, but honestly, Vikings 10-3, and 3, everything's in front of them. When we come back on Thursday for Thursday's episode, we'll break down the Indianapolis Colts. Tom kind of touched on on that game, how they're probably going to try and win. Um, they're going to try and keep it close. They're going to try and hope that the magic runs out on Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings and that they finally lose a one-score game because Sunday's game, because of that late field goal, kept the 9-0 one-score game record intact. Um, that might not last forever. Um, what, more on that when we come back on Thursday's episode. Thanks for stopping by with us. For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. That's all we got today. We'll see you next time. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.